0: Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good morning. Good morning. Is everybody happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. Well, we're glad that you're at Sovereign Grace Baptist Church. Uh, We do have a few visitors with us this morning, so welcome. We're glad that you are worshiping with us today. Um, And if if you're a visitor here this morning, would you do us a favor before you leave here on the, um, the, the podium, the lock? Yeah. There are some uh, visitor's cards there. If you would kindly fill that out for us and uh, either drop it in the offering plate or you can even drop it in the, uh, the slot there and let us know how we can pray for you, how we can uh, get to know you better. Let's do this before we move forward. I want us to pause as a church and because it's the new year, because this is the first Sunday of the year and because of what God has done for us in last year, he is an amazing God. Um, he has blessed this congregation abundantly. He is bringing new people here to worship with us. Even this morning, um, we still have families out because of sickness. Can you imagine if all the families who were sick were here this morning? What this room would be like? I mean, we're full. If you look around, we're full this morning. <laughs> and if all the other families were here, we'd be pulling out more chairs. So the Lord is blessing this congregation, um, and it's a it's a humbling time. It's a humbling time. I want us to pray. Can we pray for those who are sick? Let's pray for God's blessing and His mercy on us this coming year. Let's pray together. I'm going to open in prayer, but I want to ask if you wish to pray as well, I'll give you time to pray one at a time. Father God, we pause this morning as we worship. We come to your throne and we, we prostrate ourselves before you. And Lord, we thank you for your mighty goodness. And we thank you humbly that you are guiding us. I pray, God, that your hand of mercy would always keep us in your embrace. And if we stray from your grace, that you would gently restore us. Lord, this year is a new time of beginnings. That is the blessing that you've given us of time and cycles of time. We have an opportunity to start again and that so is a reflection of your grace and your forgiveness that you give us all who call upon the name of your son. Lord, there are many in our church who are not with us this morning because of illness. There is the flu, there's the stomach virus and you have blessed us by not having COVID overwhelm us, but there have been some of that here as well. But God, we ask for your blessings on those families who are not here this morning because of illness, that you would heal them and that you would unite them with us through your spirit as we worship. But God, this is a new year, and I pray for your blessings on every family in this congregation. I pray for your blessings over this church body. I pray for your blessings as we step forward and we follow your lead and we follow your wisdom. Cause us to depend upon you more and more every day, even in, as we begin anew. Let that newness be a greater dependence upon your grace. We thank you, Father, for that. Anyone who would like to pray, please do so. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for for thy spirit coming into our hearts to open our eyes, to see our needs. And, oh, Heavenly Father, we are a weak people. Yeah. And that's, that's why we are gathered here, as it were, a, a hospital for the sick. For we know we are weak within ourselves, but but by thy spirit we are strengthened. Mm-hmm. So, again, be with us. We, Pray in this year coming up but again the double built like church all that we will be used as our tools as yeah going forth and in a way that we yes, not not on our own, but by the strength
1: of thy spirit. Be with us, we pray in and ask Jesus amen.
0: Anyone else who would like to pray? Father, we do thank you. This is your worship time. This is the time we come and we honor your your presence and we honor your grace. Through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, we come to you. Please be with us in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. After uh, Following the season of Advent, we are returning back to this wonderful gospel. We have been through uh, Matthew 13. When did we start Matthew 13? Has it been a year and a half-ish, ish, thereabouts? Um, this is the beauty of expository uh, focus of preaching is that we follow God's Word um, and we allow God to speak to us in His Word and we do not rush. Amen? We do not rush, and we want to glean wisdom from God's Word. We want to understand who He is. We want to understand uh, the gospel as God has presented it through His Son, Jesus Christ, um, and through even the, the Matthew account has given, uh, given us a great insight into Christ, into the kingdom of heaven, um, into salvation through Christ alone, um, and, and the dependence that we have upon His blood. Amen. But if you can, uh, this morning... We're going to continue. Matthew chapter thirteen is the beginning of a new section of Matthew's gospel that scholars call the third discourse. And now we are looking. We're beginning into a section of Jesus teaching in parables. And so Matthew thirteen for the next several weeks will give us insight into Jesus' teaching and particularly into his method uh, of speaking parables. And so why? And this morning I want us to understand why parables. Let's get a groundwork this morning of parables and what that means before we look at the parables and at the directly. And we see here that the 12 disciples will inquire of Jesus as to why his teaching methods involve parables. And Matthew's account implies that Jesus instructed his 12 with different, more direct teaching methods, and otherwise the, the 12 of Jesus would not notice A stark difference in how Jesus instructed the crowds unless Jesus was doing something different. Before we can understand his parables, I think we have to listen to Jesus' reasons himself for why he spoke in parables. That's what we're going to look at today. Because Jesus' methods are for a grander purpose. Purpose Purposes that non-believers outside of Jesus' Group, his inner circle, would have been mostly too blind to see or too hard of hearing to understand. But, but we're also going to see what hinders most from seeing and hearing the truth of the gospel primarily selfish pride and stubbornness. So if you're able to stand, let's stand in reverence for the reading of God's word, Matthew chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 10 as we listen to the teachings of Jesus as to why he spoke in parables. Beginning in verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. There's a lot here from our Savior, isn't there? So let us pray. Father God, we pause at the reading of your word. As we hear the words of your son, Jesus Christ, explain the teaching and the revelation of the kingdom of heaven. There are those who will never see or hear the kingdom, even though it is presented to them. There are those that will see clearly and hear with understanding. And those are the ones that are part of your kingdom. Lord, I pray this morning that you would open our hearts and open our minds to not only understand what Jesus is teaching, but to also reveal to us, Lord, where we stand in connection with this revelation of the kingdom. Are our eyes and are our ears open? Or are they closed? Are we deceived in thinking that we see clearly the kingdom and we hear with understanding all of the gospel? Are we deceiving ourselves? If we are, Father, please enlighten us, open us up to the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please have a seat. Matthew 13. Beginning in verse 11, we, we have Jesus answering his disciples. He says, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Jesus is speaking about two groups of people here. He's talking to his 12. He's also talking about the great crowds that were around him. Jesus says that the parables reveal secrets. The secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So when we are reading parables, when we are studying parables, on one side, there are good lessons there for us to adhere to. Yet, what is Jesus saying about parables? They are revealing something beyond us, telling us what is the kingdom of heaven. That is what Jesus is doing here. He says that there are secrets and mysteries of the kingdom of heaven that are revealed in the parables. He's talking to his 12. And he says here in verse 11 that really the the, the 12 that he's talking to, they are granted knowledge and understanding of the kingdom of heaven through the Holy Spirit. Really, it's the Holy Spirit who gives understanding. And through the Holy Spirit... Jesus' words and his stories, these parables, give knowledge to the 12. And more directly, Jesus is speaking to these 12 one-on-one in a small, intimate setting. Really, he's giving them extra tutoring time. Anybody here ever had to have extra tutoring uh, in school? Yeah, these 12 needed a lot. (laughs) And they got it directly from their Savior, our Savior, Jesus himself. He's also speaking about those who do not have knowledge. Because this knowledge of the kingdom of heaven has not been given to them. The Holy Spirit does not give knowledge of the kingdom to the crowds. And so Jesus speaks in parables. Now, this does not mean that those in the crowds will never know about the kingdom. It's just that they must come at it in a much different way because their hearts are different. Their hearts, and we're going to see this many of the crowd, their hearts were hardened, their hearts were darkened. And so Jesus spoke in parables instead of a direct teaching. Who were the crowds? Who were in? The, because this is what we see up here in verse 2 of Matthew 13. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. This is the setting. There were so many crowds following Jesus, pressing in to see Jesus that he could no longer stand and and teach comfortably. He had to get in a boat and just go off a little bit from the shore, just far enough to be kind of surrounded by people on the shore. So who were in the crowds that gathered around Jesus as he taught from the boat? These were namely, and more specifically, the descendants of David, the children of Israel, Jesus addresses this in verse 14 as he does cite Isaiah's prophecy as he condemns the pride and the rebellion of God's people. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. So those in the crowds, they were children of Israel. They were the ones who would be hard in heart as the history of Israel showed in the Old Testament. Who were the 12? They were the called of Jesus, his chosen, the ones that he surrounded himself with in his ministry, in his inner circle, who these 12, they learned from Jesus, the master, by living with him, by following him, by listening to him, by witnessing his miracles in his ministry, Albeit, I mean, they, clearly they were not perfect. These twelve were granted insight into the ministry of Jesus, and they were granted insight into the kingdom of heaven that others would not have. And what is the difference here between the crowds and the twelve? Albeit that the twelve were not perfect, we know their faults, especially Peter, who stuck his foot in his mouth often. <laughs> uh, 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 others had a an anger problem. Others had a pride problem. They were not perfect men, yet they were, even though they missed much, they were humble, they were submissive, they were faithful to our Lord. Those in the crowds did not have that. So you notice here is the stark contrast that Jesus is laying out for us here. What the words of Jesus tell us in Matthew 3, verse 11, is that the opening of the eyes and the ears is a work of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. Let's read that together again. And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. In other words, there is a source, a cause, an origin of our understanding of the kingdom of heaven that is not of us. We do not decide what the kingdom of heaven is. We do not make the kingdom of heaven in our own image. We do not create a church as a witness of the kingdom of heaven apart from the empowerment and the guidance of the hand of God, particularly through his son, Jesus Christ, and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit upon us. That doesn't happen. David, the prophet king, tells us in Psalm 40 that it is the Lord who gives an open ear. If you're taking notes, Psalm 40 verse 6 says this, In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Those who struggle with understanding the word of God, those who struggle with understanding the kingdom of heaven are those who have not been granted this by the delight of our Father in heaven. There is something there that's stopping it. And that's what I think Jesus is trying to get us to see here. Because once the ears are opened by our Lord, then the truth of the kingdom dwells in the heart of the believer. Psalm 40 continues in verses 8 through 10 I delight to do your will, O oh my God, your law is within my heart. There is no way for that law to come to the heart apart from God Himself, our Lord, giving us an open ear. Now that'll settle. Let that settle for a minute. Matthew 13, verse 13 tells us even deeper here why Jesus says these things. Why? Does Jesus say that despite the crowds seeing evidence of the kingdom of heaven? Because notice, why are the crowds following Jesus? Why are they pressing in upon Him? They are clearly witnessing His miraculous power. They're clearly hearing and seeing His wonderful teaching. That's why the crowds follow Jesus. And you would think from our human standards that that alone was evidence of why Jesus' ministry was so powerful. You would think, wow, Jesus is successful. Look at all these crowds. Yet look at Jesus and his response to the crowds. They are blind and they are hard of hearing. Jesus did not count his ministry successful because of the crowds. Jesus was the son of God, speaking the truth of the kingdom of heaven as his father does through him. That's all he was doing. He did not count his ministry, quote, successful. Jesus was faithful. The crowds did not elevate Jesus to a place of pride. The crowds did not elevate Jesus to the place of Messiah. Jesus was already there. (laughs) Amen. Notice what Jesus says here about the crowds. Why does he speak to them in parables? Because despite the crowd seeing Jesus, despite them witnessing all of the miracles, despite them hearing all of the great teaching, they do not see nor do they hear the truth of the kingdom. Now, many of us, if we face that kind of success rate or success failure, we would quit. If people are not hearing the gospel, if they are not responding to our work in the kingdom, we'll just throw our hands up and quit. What is Jesus doing here? He continues to speak the truth. He continues to conduct miracles. He continues to save people, casting out demons. He continues to establish the kingdom of heaven as his father tells him to do, despite the fact that the crowds do not see and the crowds do not hear. It is evident that the crowds were, were, were filled with the Jewish law keepers, those who were worshiping the law of Moses, rather than coming to the kingdom of heaven through the softening of their heart and the kingdom being established within their hearts. These law, these law keepers were, were blinded by their adherence to the Mosaic law alone. That was their God. And David's Psalm 40 helps us to see that Jesus is making it clear here. Understanding of the law of God and of the kingdom of God requires a faithful heart, and it requires that the Lord gives me an open ear so that your law, God, is within my heart. Notice the difference here? Here's what Jesus is actually teaching, following the law, as many in the crowds did, did not open their eyes nor open their ears to understanding it was actually a hindrance to the kingdom of heaven what's the what, what is the key element here understanding the law of god and of the kingdom of god requires a faithful heart faith is the key element here in order to see the kingdom clearly in order to understand the kingdom of god with Open ears is faith. It's the key element. Apart from faith in Christ, apart from faith in what God is establishing, apart from the salvation that comes through Christ alone, there is no clear seeing. There is no clear hearing. The crowds were blind. The crowds were deaf. And those who were blinded and they were deafened, they were blinded and deaf by a lack of genuine faith. That defines the crowd. The kingdom of heaven is perceptible only to the eyes and the ears of faith. Genuine faith, not just obeying the law, not just doing a checkoff list of I'm a good person. I did this. I did that. I wrote my tithe check. I came to worship. Don't Aren't you glad that I'm here, God? Can we say an amen on that? In order to see the kingdom, in order to understand the kingdom, to hear the truth of the gospel requires a genuine faith in the Jesus Christ, who is the source and and the only king who can establish this heavenly kingdom in us. Now, let's look at Matthew 3, verse 15. Right, Actually, let's start, go up a little bit more in verse 13, and it's going to lead us to verse 15. Here's what Jesus says. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. This, if you underline nothing else today, underline verse 13 and then point arrows to things that come uh, following that, because in order to understand parables, we have to understand why Jesus teaches them. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. How many of us in this room have ever been frustrated because someone is not understanding what we're telling them clearly? Every parent in this room should have their hand up. I told you a thousand times and you're not hearing it. Pick up your room. Mamas, can we get an amen from the mamas? (laughs) There is something about speaking clearly to someone and directly to someone. They're not going to hear you because they are wanting to hear what they want to hear. Jesus faced the same thing in his ministry. He's speaking clearly to the crowds, preaching boldly and faithfully and with power and authority, according to Matthew chapter (laughs) 5. Yet they do not see and they do not hear. That's why he speaks to them in parables. Because the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven can only be understood (laughs) through the power of the Holy Spirit. And really trying to describe the kingdom of heaven in human terms is impossible. The best that we could hope for is that we would have understanding by the gift, by the Holy Spirit who comes into all believers as we hear these parables. Oh, that's what that means. I get it. You see, Matthew 15 tells us that the hearts of the people who are blind and deaf are dull. Let's continue here. Verse 14, actually. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, here Jesus is even pointing to Scripture. Here's why I speak in parables. These people are dull of hearing. He says, verse 14, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. That was the prophecy of Isaiah. Verse 15, for this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. The King James Version, I love the way it describes it. says that the heart is waxed gross. That's, that's poetic language. Gross wax? Is that like earwax or something? <laughs> Their heart is waxed gross. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. Notice it is not the Lord who is closing the eyes nor the Lord stuffing up the heart or the ears. They are closing their eyes. They are filling their ears with earwax. Notice what is stopping them from seeing and hearing about the kingdom of heaven. Their dull hearts, their blind eyes, They close their own eyes. They stick their fingers in their ears. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. Has anyone ever dealt with someone like that who just refuses to even listen to what you have to say? What do you do? That's what Jesus is teaching here. He's citing Isaiah 6 verses 9 through 10 here in Matthew 13, 14 to 15 to indicate that the inability to hear about the kingdom in the parables is due to the nation of Israel's long history of rejecting God, rejecting his word, and rejecting his message about the future Messiah king to come. So who Jesus is speaking to here in Matthew 13 are those who are following in that tradition all of their ancestors did this. They ignored the Lord. They were blind to His, His, His providence. They were deaf to His word. Hasn't changed here. Jesus' disciples, in contrast, are the ones who hear, are the ones who see. Although not perfectly, they're at least faithful. And they were blessed because the prophets and the righteous from Israel's past... See, despite Israel's past history of failure and of being dull to hearing God's word, there were always in the Old Testament, you'll see this in every prophet who speaks in the Old Testament, that God always protects a righteous remnant, a small group of people amongst the majority who did not want to hear. There was a small remnant of faithful and righteous people who were faithful to the Lord that God protected. And that's what's happening here with the 12. From Israel's past of long ago, they they, they longed for the days of the coming of the Messiah and the kingdom of heaven, but they were blind and they were deaf to what was happening. Those who have heard the word truly preached, but who do not hear, can only blame their prideful and unbelieving hearts. Those who hear the gospel truly preached, But they do not listen. Those who witness the kingdom of heaven in its genuine, compassionate and grace-filled, loving expression, those who are blind to that are only there because of their pride and their unbelieving hearts. They cannot blame the message preached and they cannot blame the preacher or in this case, they cannot blame the Messiah himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is preaching the truth to them. It is no one's blame, but those who refuse to see and refuse to hear. But Matthew 3 verse 16, Jesus speaks to his 12. He says, but blessed are your eyes. Here's a bit of hope in this teaching. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. That is hope. These 12 were, although flawed (laughs) and not perfect, Jesus blesses them in verse 16, because your eyes are open and your ears are listening, and you see the truth, and you hear it clearly. What a blessing. Now, let's go down a little bit further. We did not read this yet, but if you'll go down in Matthew 13, down to verses 34 and 35, Jesus teaches a little bit more clearly and a little bit further about why he speaks in parables. What do the parables reveal? Let's read verses 34 and 35 together. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. Verse 35, This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, and the prophet here is Isaiah. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Matthew tells us that Jesus taught the crowds in parables. It says in verse 34, indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. Because what he was teaching was so much beyond their understanding because their understanding was centered around the world and what he was teaching was the kingdom of heaven that is bigger and more grand and beyond this world. There is a second layer here to the meaning and the purpose of parables. Jesus spoke this way to fulfill the prophets. It was prophesied that he would do so. In this case, Matthew cites Psalm 78, which actually echoes Isaiah. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. So the, the, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven is not something new. It's not something that has recently been hidden only to be revealed to a select few. If we go down that line of thinking, we fall into the heresy of Gnosticism that the apostles dealt with following Jesus' resurrection. In the church, there was a rise of, they would take this type of teaching and say, well, God has only revealed to a select few intellect the truth of the gospel, and we're the only ones who know, and you have to come to us and we'll teach you. That was from the very beginning of the church, and it was wrong. <laughs> That's not what Jesus is teaching here. The mysteries of the kingdom were mysteries long before the foundation of the world. Because it is something that our finite, worldly-centered minds cannot grasp. We are creatures. We are not creators. There is only one Creator God who understands everything, even from before the foundation of the world that he made. And there's a lot that we'll never know. (laughs) All that we know is what God has revealed revealed to us. So the truth of the kingdom of heaven was established long before. And Jesus speaks the truth of the kingdom He speaks it in mysterious ways through parables to those who were the hardened and the blind and the deaf who would never clearly see or hear. The darkness of the sinful world was known to come from the foundation of the world. The hardness against God was there even in the beginning in the Garden of Eden following God's foundation of his world, the foundation of his cosmos, the foundation of all that there is, the hardness of man's heart began then. Not by God's hand, but by man's sinful soul. It was the mysteries of the kingdom that the world could not and would not believe. And Jesus is saying, I speak in parables because I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. What Jesus is speaking here, he's citing Psalm 78, and it echoes the harsh prophecies of Isaiah. Isaiah condemned. The center of Isaiah's ministry was condemnation for the nation of Israel because of their hard heart and their rebellion against God. This hardness is what blinded them to the truth. And it's what blinds people today. And so Jesus explains here in this interaction with his 12 that the Word of God by its very nature is always bright, is always full of light, and because seeing requires good light. How many people had a mama lecture you when you were trying to do your homework in the dark? My mom did. Turn a light on or you'll go blind. There's some truth to that. Mamas have wisdom. Amen? Same thing goes with the understanding of the gospel, understanding of the kingdom of heaven. Clear light, bright light, the true light of Christ is required to see the kingdom of heaven. We are dark-hearted, blind folks apart from the grace of God and His mercies. But the light of the Word of God is choked or is blocked by the darkness of our souls. If one's mind or one's soul is attentive to the light, then one sees more clearly. But if one's mind or soul is shrouded in darkness, then you've hidden yourself away from the Word of God. You've hidden yourself from the truth, and it's difficult to see. Though the law of God was concealed, by a kind of veil. I mean, it is. I mean, we we, we see through a mirror darkly, don't we? Even now, even even those in this room who are the redeemed of Christ, we still see through a veil darkly. We, We can't see everything exactly clearly as God has not fully let us see it all yet. We won't see it until we get to heaven. But even though that's the case, the truth of God shines brightly in his law. If the eyes are not blinded, you can see it. There is a biblical principle that the kingdom of heaven and God's word is not obscure at all. Scripture makes it clear. It is there for all to see, for all to hear, except so far as the world darkens it by its own blindness. Yet it is God's good pleasure It is His will to intentionally obscure the truth of salvation and of the kingdom through mysteries so that the perception of the kingdom of heaven, so that the perception of the light of God does not reach those who are reprobate. There are those in this world who will never have anything to do with God. And it is God's good will and it is His good pleasure to speak to proclaim the truth, but it is also His will and His power to not waste what is precious and graceful upon those who will never receive it. Now, that's hard to hear because we want everyone to come to faith. We want everyone to come to Jesus, rightly so. Yet God knows all hearts. He knows all truth. And He knows those who will never appreciate nor honor the gospel ever. And he is going to protect what is his. He's going to protect what is good. He's going to protect what is holy. And he will accept for those who are darkened in their own hearts and have no hope of redemption. It is by their own blindness that they do not see what God is giving. And he's not going to waste his time that it is God's good pleasure to intentionally obscure the truth of salvation and of the kingdom through these mysteries that's what he's doing here he he's intentionally causing a mysterious perception here so that his holiness is 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 protected it's 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 preserved There are those in this world who are bent on destruction because the fallen one, the evil one, Satan himself, has so taken over this world that God will not give Satan any kind of glory whatsoever. Because there are those whose hearts are so hard that the truth of the gospel may never reach them, but the only way that it can reach them is through God's grace and through his mercy. So turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to close with this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. (coughs) These are the words of the Apostle Paul, and I think these words help us see a little bit deeper and more clearly what Jesus is teaching here. It's not that Paul is correcting Jesus. He's just helping us understand more clearly what Jesus is teaching. And it's, it is a biblical principle that Jesus is, is addressing in Matthew 13. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, the words of the apostle Paul, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. Notice what they're dealing with here. They're dealing with some pretty deceiving and conniving people in the church. And they refuse to bow to it. Beginning of, or at the end of verse 2, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Verse 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So who is blinding these folks? The God of this world. Who is that? We know it's Satan himself. The apostle Paul echoes the teaching of Jesus to the 12 as he explains to the Corinthian church why the message of the gospel that he preaches is veiled. It's because if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In other words, if you were not in Christ. You're going to struggle with understanding the word of God. You're going to struggle with understanding what is it that these church people do? You're going to struggle. The ones who are perishing are those whose God is the God of this world. In other words, they've replaced the one true God with Satan, who is the God of this world, only by the fact that we as human beings who are sinful elevate Satan to that place. That's it. Satan is the God of this world, and he has blinded the unbeliever to keep them from seeing or understanding the light of the gospel. He has blinded them from seeing the glory of Christ. He has blinded them from seeing the glory of God. That's what the Paul's words say. The God of this world has captivated generations of unbelievers and hidden their minds and their souls from the revelation of God. And let me, let me let me drive home the point even more. The only power that the God of this world has is the power that unbelievers give him. That's it. So on one hand, we can blame the devil, but really we have to blame ourselves. Satan has, he is a powerful being. Don't get me wrong. Don't come up against de- Satan and his demons on your own power. You will lose. They will strike you down. You can only come up against the God of this world through the power of Christ and Christ alone. He is our Savior. He is our protector. He is the one who has crushed the head of the serpents. But we are blinded by him. Preaching and living the gospel, we have to think of it as a military rescue mission. We're here to rescue the lost souls. We're here to rescue the perishing from their eternal death and damnation. We are here to preach the gospel as Jesus has given us the word of God, as he has given us salvation. We are here to rescue them from this, as Christ has rescued us. That's the way to understand the gospel. It is a free gift, but Jesus comes in like a mighty general (laughs) to come and take his people home. We're called to preach the gospel so that God can use us in rescuing the lost, in snatching them back from the clutches of the God of this world, the evil one. So, folks, as we're closing with this, are you one who sees and hears the truth of the gospel? Are you clearly seeing and hearing the truth of the kingdom of heaven? Your lives will reflect that. All of us, our lives, if they are truly seeing and hearing and understanding the words of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of heaven that he establishes, our lives will reflect it. Do you clearly see the glory of the Father as you see Jesus is it clear to you? Do you not just hear words read or spoken in the proclamation of the kingdom of heaven, but do you embrace these precious words? Not just sitting here listening every Sunday morning or listening to your podcasts or your radio. It's one thing to listen to good teaching of the gospel. It's one thing to listen to good gospel things. It's good to watch good gospel Entertainment, and that's a different thing I'll talk about later this year, I think. I think gospel entertainment is a contradiction. (laughs) Okay. I don't think the gospel is about entertaining. Are we embracing the truth of the gospel? Is it who we are? Is Christ new in us? Are we new in Christ? If so, then we see and we hear clearly the truth of the gospel and the truth of the kingdom. But some of us in this room, are 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 some of us in this room perishing, as Paul describes, are some of us in this room perishing and, and unable to see or to hear the gospel? Are, are, are some of us in this room blind to the glorious light of the gospel salvation that was preached by Jesus Christ and His apostles? And I'm going to add this, that we are recording this, so there may be some who are listening to this, and I'm going to ask them who are listening, are you blind to the glorious light of the gospel of salvation that is preached by Jesus Christ and His apostles? Are you deaf to the word of God as it is proclaimed? Are you struggling and confused and just, or maybe to the point of just total rejection? Then friends, let me let me say this. I pray, and I, I say this with all sincerity. I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to soften hard hearts. I pray that by God's grace, anyone who is blind and deaf to the gospel, will come by faith to the foot of the cross and lay down the chains of sin that binds them, and that the God of this world who enslaved them will be tossed away. I pray that the preaching of the truth of salvation will penetrate the hard hearts of all this morning who are struggling to see the truth and to hear it with understanding that Christ Jesus is our salvation. And I pray that Christ will penetrate all of our hearts this morning. Amen? Let me close in prayer. And we're going to transition to a time of communion and worship at the Lord's table. This is a tradition of ours at Sovereign Grace, the first Sunday of every month. And I think it's appropriate the first Sunday of 2022 that we come to the Lord's table together. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father God in heaven, you have given us the words of your Son, Jesus Christ. You have given us the words of the Apostle Paul. You've given us the words of your prophet Isaiah. And you've given us the words of your servant David. And you've shown us this grand truth that there are those who are blind and deaf to you. And then at the same time, there are those who see clearly and hear with humility the truth of your kingdom. Lord, there are two camps. Those who embrace your son, Jesus Christ, and those who do not. Those who are humble and faithful to the gospel and those who are not. There are those who are too prideful to submit to any kind of repentance. All of us struggle with that pride, Father, and we we depend upon your grace. Help us, Lord, this morning to see clearly and to hear with understanding all that is true about your son, Jesus Christ, and about the salvation that is through him alone. I pray, God, that you would establish your kingdom in us as it is in the faithful heart where your kingdom dwells. We submit to your lordship. We submit to your sovereignty. We submit to your grace. And those who are hearing this prayer right now, Lord, I pray that you would soften the hearts of those who are so cold and so blind and so deaf and so hard against the gospel. Lord, soften them with your power, but with your mercy. I pray that this new year that you've granted us, this new beginning in the cycle of time that is a gift of yours, that we would start anew and and that we would come to you daily and that we would depend upon you daily. Lord, thank you for teaching us the truth. Thank you for teaching us your love in your word. It is in Christ's name that we pray this. Amen.